This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello, and welcome to a new emergency episode of Ringer Dish, your source for everything pop culture and entertainment on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kate Hallowell, and I'm joined once again, uh, very soon, by Nora Princiati because Taylor Swift will not let us rest. Uh, she surprise dropped her ninth studio album, Evermore, on us last night. And Nora, how would you say you would describe your emotional state over the past 12 hours? Wow. Okay. <laughs> so one, thrilled to be back at it with you. Like, so soon. It feels like it Who was knew? just yesterday. <laughs> and it's because it kind of was. It was. But the devil works hard. Tay Tay works harder. So Indeed. And if she's putting stuff out, we will be here breaking it all down. It's what she uh, deserves. Absolutely. My 24 hours, I mean, so it's, first of all, you're a real champ because I was the eager beaver who was like, we should record this like kind of early on Friday. Let's like, <laughs> let's, let's process, let's get it out there quickly. And then I stayed up until four o'clock in the morning listening to this album over and over again. Sure. Uh, so jokes on me, but I'm thrilled to be here with some coffee and a lot of adrenaline. So yeah. we're doing it up right. Just coffee and vibes. That's what's going to carry coffee us through this podcast. <laughs> Honestly, fuels the world. Yes. About this time yesterday, my phone started like freaking out. And I was like, is everyone okay? Oh my God. There's a new Taylor Swift album coming. And then went through an abridged version of the cycle. I think we've discussed of, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. Oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled to read everybody's tweets about it. Oh my gosh, everybody's tweets are annoying. Ah, what's going to happen? The circle of life. The circle of life, the circle of Taylor. I'm still very much of the opinion that I like these surprise drops because it just shortens that like paranoia cycle. Yes. I mean, we could keep doing this. Weeks and weeks of what is Evermore going to be? Are she and Joe married? What does this mean? What do these tracks mean? And instead we got like five hours of it and then we were done. Okay. By the way, we'll, we'll get to this later, but like this girl is married F like, or (laughs) engaged or whatever, but I'm convinced this is not as well. The other thing is that, and again, I'm getting off track and we will get here. Taylor Swift's last four albums have been about Joe Alwyn. Let's just acknowledge that. It's great. There's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think it's it's great to be in love. But we've gone through this whole thing about like, oh, she's less autobiographical, like blah, 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 blah. Reputation, Lover, and then both fo- Folklore and Evermore. Like, these are albums about Joe who we're now allowed to refer to by his first name, apparently. And right. I think we should just acknowledge them as such. But anyway, the rest of my sort of processing experience with this whole thing was waited for it. Um, really had hoped that the Thursday night football game was going to go into overtime to kind of get that nervous energy, uh, have an outlet for it. Patriots were unwilling to cooperate to that Damn. end. Um, spent a lot of time texting our pal, uh, occasional colleague, Nathan Hubbard. Sure. About 
Taylor anxiety. Tay anxiety. We should come up with a name for that. <laughs> anyway, one thing I think a lot of people in the Taylorverse talk about is the strange lead single, right? Like the mm-hmm. the me, the look what you made me do, which I don't like that example because I think that song is great and really underrated, but <laughs> the head yourself. fake. <laughs> that song slaps. We don't have to get into it. We'll be ap- here all day. <laughs> people don't appreciate Camp Taylor, but whatever. Um, it's a head fake. It doesn't tell you where the record's actually going and it can be really jarring to people. Well, I had a very condensed version of that experience with this album. Because uh, I got to be real for- with you. 12.15 last night was a freaky time for me um, because the top two songs, Willow, I actually have gone back and listened to a bunch and I think it's pretty, but that was the the one that came out with the music video and it just, it, it could very easily, I mean, this is a sister album to Folklore, so a lot of it could, they're very sort of synonymous, but that one sounds like cardigan to me. So I'm like, okay, this sounds nice, but I'm I'm not having those wow moments yet. And then the second one, Champagne Problems, is maybe my least favorite song on the album. And I was worried. Like she did a little Q&A on YouTube uh right before it dropped and referenced that they were writing some of these songs last week, like right. as early as last week. And I was a little bit like, you know what? It's still really hard to do this stuff. And I'm worried this is going to be half-baked. I'm I'm worried that this is not going to be like up to her standard. But then you're kind of feeling this dual thing of, okay, well, it rules to have new music. It's so fun to like stay up late with everybody and, and see what people's reactions are and everything. But holy crap, what if I don't like this album? Um... And then it does have, and again, I, this is not my favorite example, but I think it's the one that people will will understand the most. It has a little bit of that reputation pattern where the back half is just incredibly strong. So I'm going through, and probably by the time that we're at like Ivy, but much, but it starts further than that. But by the time that we're at like Ivy and we're really into the back half of this, I was like, giddy sitting in my bed just cracking up because it's like she did it again (laughs) and there I was a little after midnight being like what if it's bad and never doubt her Nora never doubt never doubt like never a doubt so the (laughs) the long story short is that this album put me through it a little bit but I really like it I think there are a lot of it's a little like I don't really know why you need two like 15, 16 song albums because both on this and Folklore, there are some filler tracks, I think, but there's some real strong entries here. And I also, I'm going to get cheesy for a little, just a moment, if if I may. It really is fun to do this. Like she's set incredibly high standards. So we owe it to to her and to all of her fans and all the people who listen to this pod to take it seriously and and acknowledge when we don't think that songs hit and acknowledge what we don't like. But there is something about, especially right now, just seeing so many people respond to the same thing and having those moments that I did eventually have on this album where you're just like gasping for air and, and having those, holy shit, Taylor, like this song. I love this song. I can't wait to listen to this song 60 hundred million times over and over again. And I had those. And it's, I just, when I finally did put my head down on the pillow last night, I was like, this was a good, this was a good way to spend way too many hours. So <laughs> I agree. That was those, my process. Those like all together internet fan moments have been way too rare this year. And it is so fun for everyone to freak out over 24 hours all at once, like hardcore. And then just like talk about it for the next however long. You know what I mean? It's like we haven't we haven't had that so much this year. And it's so nice. Totally. And there's like, I mean, the especially with a good a good bridge, a good Taylor bridge, you have those seconds where you can just text your friends and go like, holy shit, this song. And it's really fun. And again, I think we it's it's worthwhile to balance sort of 
self-criticism and reasoned analysis, which we do so much of with just being like, this rules. Songs rule. I took a very opposite approach to you. So I'm I'm unfortunately like a really annoying morning person and I have trouble staying up late. So I was like, I'm just going to go to bed. I know if I stay up and wait for it, I'll be like too amped to sleep like you so clearly demonstrated was the case. <laughs> and so I woke up at an ungodly hour this morning. Uh, got up and I've been doing all my best like music listening on like my daily quarantine sad walks. So I took a walk this morning in the pitch black and just listened (laughs) to Evermore all the way through for an hour. And I'm not going to say that's how it was meant to be heard, but it was certainly an experience. Uh, just hoofing it through like my cold Indiana hometown neighborhood, just like vibing to these songs, uh, just trudging through the dark. I love that for you because you. when folklore came out, you were very uh, perceptive of the feelings of fall that right. you associated with that album and kind of wanted to couple it with. And this is maybe more seasonally appropriate. Did you feel that way? Did did strolling did. through Indiana cul-de-sacs yes, send that did. home? Uh, Taylor said that she wanted, you know, Folklore was going to be her spring-summer album. This one's her fall-winter album. I like to think they're both fall-winter albums. But uh, yeah, this one definitely, first of all, I mean, you get. we're going to talk about it in a bit, but you get a seasonal track, if not more than one, uh, on this album. And it definitely is like, you know, it's just like a cold, dark winter vibe to a lot of these songs. So I felt like my setting and my experience matched what the album was trying to do. Um, I want to talk about Willow because you mentioned that you didn't love the first three tracks and we always complain about her single choices. I actually love Willow. I did not like Cardigan very much and I really, really like Willow. Oh, wow. Okay. So she released the music video for Willow, which is is very much sort of the sister to Cardigan. It, it takes off right where the Cardigan music video ends. Um, it's very fantastical. Uh, you know, she has this has references to all of not all, but a lot of folklore songs, a lot of evermore songs. Um, she, you know, she's holding an invisible string and she is in like sort of this fantastical role where she's playing like a ukulele. And I believe on her YouTube Q and a, she talked about how, um, she wanted it to sort of be a reference to fame and how she feels like, you know, she's trapped in this glass box and she's performing for people, but she can't leave it. Um, and the the music video stars Taeok Lee, who was a dancer on Taylor's Red Tour um, and has reunited with her to star in this video. Um, and yeah, what did you think of the music video? Because it, I found it a little bit strange, but ultimately cute. I just got hardcore Renaissance fair vibes. Yeah. Like, like that's, the Twilight, that's... like the Twilight Volturi cloaks where they're all like in the yeah, woods in the 100%. snow. Yeah. 100%. It was odd. It was odd. Uh, but, you know, I mean, this I, album is odd, right? Yeah. Well, so I, I can't say that I like Willow is one of the songs that I had the closest to neutral mm-hmm. response to. And I think that kind of goes for the music video, too. Mm-hmm. I did think her Q&A was fun. Um, let's just give a quick shout out to some of the insanely wacky photos that they were like the way that if anybody wasn't on it, the way that it worked was before midnight when the album was released, you could still be on her YouTube page and people were in the comments. She was making comments, but on the video screen portion of it, there was just a slideshow and it was like, here's. Taylor holding a cat next to Aaron Dessner holding a baby. Or here's a wacky photo of Taylor like sitting at the side of a lake wearing a camo mask and a a Tommy Hilfiger (laughs) t-shirt. And it was like just a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, A little behind the scenes look. It is is fun. Yeah, but my favorite, and I'm just choosing to talk about this because my, my basic take on Willow is that it's a pretty song, but it's not anywhere near close to the most interesting or, or experimental or exciting things that come later on this album. Also, for the record, it was the top two tracks that threw me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like Gold Rush, which is number three. So want, right. want that a little more like for the record. Poppy vibe. 
to that one. It just has stuff going on. It's very, I mean, it's such a Jack Antonoff song, but yes. it has structure. It has energy. It has like my, my bar with Taylor is incredibly high. And when she released Folklore, when she released Lover, like when she drops stuff and I'm listening to it the first time, one thing I use to gauge is, am I literally fist pumping? Like <laughs> I Lover came out after I used to cover the New England Patriots and it came out after a preseason game. And I I pulled my car over like because there were just a few times where I was like, Ah, holy smokes. And I didn't have those on the first two. And then I started there were Gold Rush was was my first where I was like, oh, oh, heart skipped a beat there. Um, but because uh in in terms of the music video and the YouTube stuff, um, my favorite takeaway from Willow was actually a takeaway from the conversation in the comments before it premiered which was that Taylor's been watching Dawson's Creek in the office in quarantine. Like, Taylor, break down Dawson's for us. Where do we get that? Yes. Where's that Tumblr post? (laughs) Her pop culture tastes are fascinating to me. They're always just... I I was looking... You mentioned which song is about the last dance on this album. I don't think we got one again, but maybe someday. (laughs) I don't think so either, but um, one thing that I didn't hear on first listen, but heard when I was listening again this morning, uh, there's a reference to someone wearing an Eagles t-shirt in Gold Rush. <laughs> What's sure. going on there? Sure. Please unpack not? this for me. Tay-tay. Um, speaking of the first three songs, I want to talk about my listening experience with track four, uh, which is called Tis the Damn Season. I mentioned that I was taking a a sad, dark walk this morning while I was listening to this song. Uh, I'm in my hometown with living with my parents in my childhood bedroom. I've been here since March. And Tis the Damn Season is about someone who comes home to their hometown for the holidays, living with their parents, revisiting old sites, you know, hooking up with an old flame while they're there. And when I tell you that walking through my old neighborhood in the pitch black, walking past my like second grade crush's house, like all lit up in Christmas lights, hearing this song. It was an attack. It was a, just a direct hit on me personally. I was like, this, can she see me? This is like, does she know that I was going to do it this way? Uh, yeah, I still have not recovered from that specific experience. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by Tis the Oh Dampsies. my God. I was like, this is, this is an attack. Uh, I want to go track five is the next one. Um, not to just go down the track list, but track five is very significant on Taylor Swift's albums. We talked about this, you know, a week ago or so when we did our last Taylor Swift emergency podcast. Um, and we, we sort of ranked her track fives and I'm curious about your thoughts on tolerate it, which is the track five on evermore. Yeah. So this is one that I needed to sit with a little bit. And I think I, I want to sit with it a little bit more but it's a really cool song. And that's why I trust that like, it, it really grows on you. It One of the cool things that she does a lot on this album is she plays with some odd time signatures, uh, which is not a thing that your ear is just going to hear all that often. And so this is, this is one thing that um, our guy Nathan and I were talking about last night. That song is in 5-4 time. And what it does is it creates this like, no pun intended, blank space. In the phrasing of it, that is so cool because there's this propulsion in the lyrics, but you have to hang for a second before she goes on to each next phrase. And she does... There's a little bit of, um, I couldn't quite figure it out. It's either like an extra extra measure or some odd time signature stuff on um, the second to last track, which is closure. closure. And that's a trick that's really fun to hear her play with. Like she's she's working with these people who she says made her feel very creative and like she wanted to be a little bit more experimental. And like, that's a trick that at this point Taylor Swift absolutely has in her bag. And it's just 
it's good to see her use that stuff. So I thought, I think Tolerated is a really cool song. Um, and it's, it, it wasn't, when I first heard it, I was like, okay, so I like this, but it's not going to be like canon. And mm-hmm. then I heard it again. It was like, oh, oh, there, there's some stuff going on here. Um, and so I, I think this is one where we trust a higher power that the track five will, will not let us down. And I really like, I just, I like the risks they took there. I like what they're doing. And in general, where that, um, where they play with that stuff later on the album, um, also really works for me. So I I think it's a cool song. Uh, Rob Sheffield from Rolling Stone was talking on Twitter about the connections between White Horse and Tolerate It. White Horse was also track five, right? Yes. And apparently, I don't know if she said this on YouTube or on the YouTube chat or what, but I guess like she had like they're connected somehow. I don't know White Horse well enough to know, but she said that she decided Tolerate to be track five because of like the very visual lyrics and and sort of like connections to past things. So I mean, she never underthinks track five. It's always like a real choice, which I appreciate. It's always like a maze. It's some crazy board game dreamed up in her head. Yeah. I guess I can see how White Horse is they're they're both kind of about being underappreciated. Mm-hmm. I guess. So that that would make yeah. sense. I would be curious. I'll go read that thread at some point. But that's yeah. very cool. I have to say not to not to like play devil's advocate or sound like, you know, I don't listen to g- good music. But I the time signature stuff was difficult for me to get into on this album. I know it's like experimental and cool and like she's having fun and that's great. I really did not like closure at all. I know that it's over. I don't need your closure. Your closure. I was like, I'm gonna skip this song every single time I listen to this album. Did not like it. This one I I okay. can get into, but closure was like too far for me. It was a no. That's interesting. Is it just because it hits you? Like I think, and again, I'm not. I, I'm I'm not um, enough of a music theory scholar to be able to say this definitively. Uh, but I think they might switch. They might switch time signatures from the intro into the first verse. Is it just that skip, that jarringness at it the was, beginning that throws it, you off? It was that. It was also like the strange beat that comes in at the beginning that I also found very jarring. It's also right after Marjorie, which is like this beautiful, touching, like love Marjorie. Just sounds lovely. And then you get into like this, like of closure. I'm like, what is happening? I don't like it. Do you ever, are you a, are you a fan of the 1975? I'm not. And I saw your, your tweet about it. So maybe I just, it's just not to my taste, I guess. There are so many 1975s that have that like thing and I was like oh Taylor there you go we, we have fan of Maddie Healy which like of course there's absolutely no way that if if you listen to the 1975 and you know anything about Taylor Swift like there's just absolutely no way that she isn't a massive 1975 right fan. That that's what so I was thinking I'm like it seems like yes <laughs> seems pretty spot on yeah um, I will say give it give it a couple more shots because okay. those are the types of things that like our ears just are not used to hearing right and if you let yourself like just tiptoe in, it might sneak up on you or it might not, but it might. Look what you made me do still has not snuck up on me years later. So I I, uh, oh I won't get my hopes up, but maybe. That song rules. Maybe. <laughs> that song friggin' rules. While we're talking about, um, you know, the 1975 and being similar to other people that she is a fan of, I want to talk about some of these collabs. Um, Aaron Dessner is on, it has collaborated with her on 14 out of 15 of these. Again, uh, Matt Berninger from The National Sings on Coney Island. Um, she has a collaboration with Haim, finally a woman, three women, to be clear. Uh, and then uh, Bon Iver again on this album. What were your thoughts on some of these collaborations? I know we've been wanting a, a female collaboration for a while. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the Haim track yes. uh, first. I love that song. Me and too. That, it is. I totally love it. Like that so when I was trying to get myself to go to bed last night, there were sort of two phases of it. And the second one, when I was like lying in bed, lights off, but still listening to listening to Ivy, listening 
to Marjorie, like kind of letting it wash over me. Before that, there was a hardcore like mouthing the lyrics to Nobody No Crime into like a mirror and a hairbrush and just screaming. Like that song is derivative in all of the best ways of just late 90s, early 2000s girl group, female country song about murdering your cheating bastard husband. The best. And it's the best so genre, good. If we're being real. It is so good. Like I will, I, I was interested because it seemed like in a small sample size of people on Twitter, there were a lot of people who did not agree with my um, dislike of champagne problems, but also my love of the Heim song. But I'm like, Camp Taylor, and this is how I feel about Look What You Made Me Do, in a sense, though obviously these are very different songs. Camp Taylor is so good. Like, and you just have to embrace it. You have to, you have to just dive in. And like, I cannot wait to just be in a car with four of my best friends when like that's a thing that we do again and just scream this song and be like I think he did it and it's just ah I really love that song I think it's so fun I think he did it but I just can't prove it no nobody no crime but I ain't letting up until the day I die it was great if you don't like it you don't like fun like I don't know why Twitter was anti nobody, no crime. That's the worst take I've ever heard. It's horrible. It, it, very Great strange. Song. Very strange. I mean, it also like it got goodbye Earl trending. So that's what more do you want? We can all get behind. Yes. Um, Boney Bear is on uh, Evermore, which is the last song on this album. Um, Justin Vernon, obviously. But he also gives some accompaniment on other songs this time. He had a little more of an imprint on this one. We can. I don't know if you want to talk about Evermore now or if you want to do it at the end. Um, but I love this one too. I think both of his duets with her have been fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I, so even on, um, I felt this way more about Coney Island because actually just, um, the Justin Vernon entry on Mm -hmm. Evermore is so startling in a cool way. Mm -hmm. It made me like Justin Vernon and Taylor Swift fixed my posture last (laughs) night because he jumps in and I'm like, Oh, (gasps) spine straight. (laughs) Like, Whoa, what's going on? I do. And I think you've mentioned this. There is a little part of me that whenever she does a duet with a man, half of me is like, who invited boys to the treehouse? Right. (laughs) Yes. And it's not that they're not good. Like they do a good job. It is just so hard to kind of match her energy and tone and whole deal, for lack of a better word. So I I like those songs. I actually felt more like that on Coney Island, even though I really like that song. Evermore is cool. Uh, yeah. I might even like it better than Exile. I uh, I have to make one note about Evermore while we're here. And uh, it's that the first, first few lyrics of Evermore make a reference that I was not expecting to see on this album. And I don't think enough people are talking about it. The very first verse of Evermore says, Great November. I've been down since July. Motion capture put me in a bad light. Unambiguously a reference to Cats, the movie. Correct? Incredible take. Unambiguously cats after Taylor got cats nominated for a Grammy. I mean, motion capture put me in a bad light. What else could that be? Motion capture put me in a CGI cat suit. Why would you actively say motion capture? First of all, it's just a weird, like kind of a bizarre line to put in at all. But like if you, I mean, I don't know what else motion capture could mean other than cats. I'm blown away. I'm just totally blown away by this because I just, I took it as like paparazzi, but you're totally right. It could, I guess it could be paparazzi. I'm, I, I'm going to go with cats. I'm going to stick with I that. think cats. Fan theory. <laughs> and forevermore, it shall be cats. I think that's it. I think she's, she's reckoning with her cat's legacy in this song. Uh, is this the one that she wrote last week or one of the ones that she wrote last week? Supposedly. No, I think happiness is the one that she said mm. they they finished last week, which by the way, sneaky, really good song. I really like that song. Um that's one of the I, ones I, I that I like couldn't tell you how it goes. You know, you know, just one of those ones that just snuck in and, and I'll know it yeah. in, in a week, but right now I'm like, I don't know which one that is. <laughs> First listener to I did that with happiness and Dorothea. I just mm. kind of like they they were not 
grabbing me, but I've gone mm-hmm. back and actually really like both of them. Nice. Well, I think that I'm going to stand by the cat's Easter egg. Um, people sort of have tried to grab other Easter eggs from these songs. And really, the 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 fact that they're all kind of based on things that supposedly aren't real makes it really difficult to do that. People are like, we can't take anything from these to be about Joe because, you know, they're, it's like they're role playing breaking up. Like they're not actually none of this. Is, OK, is technically false, real. OK, false. hit me. They're all about Joe. Everything's well, about yes. Joe. <laughs> and let us turn our attention to one of my, I feel like I've said this about like uh, 10 songs at this point, but truly probably one of my top three and maybe right now my favorite song on this album, which is Long Story Short, mm. which is such, I love this song so much. And it's such a great, it's so satisfying to hear her sing it because mm. lyrics are like, Long story short, it was a bad time. Long story short, it was the wrong guy. Long story short, I oh, survived. Oh, yeah, this one is about Joe. You're right. I'm remembering which one this is now. <laughs> and it's all like, like, I'm all about you now, like, blah, 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 blah. And it is the entire, like, post-2015 Taylor Swift experience in yes. one song. And the it is... Dragging knocked Tom off my pedestal, like, blah, blah, Tom Hiddleston blah. and all. <laughs> right. That poor exactly. man. And there is something very fun... Um, as someone who has, you know, nursed breakups and drama and whatever to various songs in, in this person's catalog in the past, then you get one, like you always get to a point with something where you're like, okay, this song is sort of no longer about this experience to me anymore because it's just not that big of a deal. And this is the song about that. <laughs> and I love that. I just really, really, really love that. But I, sure, there are tons of moments on here that are maybe not about Joe, but the whole thing is about Joe. It's all right. about Joe. We're yes. all about Joe. And he he's featured on several of these songs on piano and co-wrote several of these as well. So really, it's like all the same collaborators plus Haim on this album, which is great. They worked for the last one. Why not this one? They also added... Um, Marcus Mumford of, of Mumford oh, right. and Sons on Cowboy Like Me. So we got... We got a, we got a Mumford and Haim in the mix. Why not? Did you like Cowboy Like Me? I really liked that one. Yes, I like that song. I like I that song a lot. Love Country Taylor. Love when she gives it back to us, you know? Yeah, and I loved... Um, I like a lot of the songs where they use electric guitar on mm. this. It, it, it sneaks up on you because the most of the vibes are like sort of light, slower, fall, winter. But just a little bit of that electric sharpness. Was very fun for me in a bunch of these. Like, that's a part of Long Story Short and why that worked for me, but also Cowboy Like Me. While we're on the subject of, like, just favorite songs in general from the album, I want to hear you talk about what you loved about Ivy because you've been tweeting about Ivy a lot. Whew! So one, Killer Bridge. Like, just a killer Taylor Bridge. And when it heats up on the back, because, so, okay, backing up for a second. I really love Folklore. I I like both of these albums a lot. I do have a little bit of skepticism of what a, a sort of a take, for lack of a better word, that I feel like I've seen a lot where it's like, Finally, this is her pinnacle masterpiece. Like Taylor Swift finally made an album that's not silly or something. And I just think that's wrong completely. Um, And I do think occasionally as part of her feeling like she needs to be post-pop almost, there's a little bit of structure in the songs that's gone missing and some of them, like, for instance, I'm not a huge fan of The Archer, hmm. which I know a lot of people are. And that's great. Like, if you love a song, I love that you love a song. But my problem with that song, which has been a problem with with songs of Taylor's more often recently than it used to be when she was, you know, doing doing Red, doing 1989, is some of them just don't go anywhere. And... So that that like friend that that is also how I felt about um champagne problems. Mm. Ivy is a song that has structure. 
Ivy is a strong song that takes you, you know, you go verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. It's building. It's mm-hmm. doing something. It has an end goal. It's just a really good song. And there's something simple about that. But I wish that it would be more consistent. And mm-hmm. it's it's a bop. Like, yeah, it's it also is. just a great song. But that one really had a lot of lot of stuff that I loved. Yeah, I really like that one too. I uh, I think my other favorite kind of on the second half of the album, like you talked about, really, I think gets a little stronger than the first. Um, and the peak of the second half for me was Marjorie, um, which she wrote about her grandmother, which first I was like, not really. I mean, I was listening to the lyrics, but like kind of tuning out a little bit. I was just like, wow, this is a really beautiful song. Like lyrics aside, it sounds beautiful. Um, and then I started listening to the lyrics and I was like, oh, no, this is so sad. Um, and so it's track 13 track 13 on folklore was about Taylor's grandpa track 13 on evermore is about her grandma, um, Marjorie Finlay, who was an opera singer and she died in 2003. And so Taylor wrote the song about basically just missing her and missing anyone who's gone and feeling like they're still in your life and regrets and things like that. Um, and they're just all these little beautiful touches. Her opera singing is featured in the background and um, the lyric video on, on YouTube has a lot of old pictures and articles about her. Um, and I didn't know this, but she also, Taylor wore a, a brunette wig in the Wildest Dream video to be her grandma as Marjorie Finn, which I was like, oh, she just never underthinks anything. Um, so yeah, I was just like, oh, that one really got me. You know, on my way back from my walk, I was like emotionally fragile. And that one came at the right time. That was, I got a little weepy on, I know. on Marjorie. That's one of the ones where I'm like, I love this song, but it might make me too sad to listen to all the time. Yeah, I get that. That I think that that stretch when you're going, you could start, you could, man, you could start at no body, no crime if you wanted to and go all the way down through Marjorie. Like that to me is the part of the album where she's just cooking. Mm -hmm. You mentioned on Twitter that people should listen to this album backwards. (laughs) I half believe that and half think that they should have to go through what I went through. Uh, and I do those those first two songs. I like a lot better now that I know that that's not what we're doing. I just I had this fear given how this album was constructed, which seemed like on even more of a short timeline than folklore of it being a little bit unfinished. And I was nervous about that after the first two. I don't know. People can suffer, suffer for art the way that I did in the way that many of us did last night, or they can just flip it, just yeah. flip it and maybe have a nicer time. Give it a shot. I, uh, I want to talk about folklore versus evermore overall, because a lot of people are saying, you know, they're sister albums or, you know, evermore is the cooler sister to folklore, the cooler cousin. Uh, first of all, which do you prefer? I know it's too soon to say on evermore, but if you had to listen to one of these albums for the rest of your life and only that, which one would it be? Oh, crap. I don't want just follow I your heart to I don't follow your heart. Uh, I, th- I, uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's folklore. I think it's folklore. I, I don't, I think there's just more. I wish I could combine them. Honestly, mm-hmm. I you think can. folklore just probably really has. <laughs> well, or like with a little bit of editing and just create one like super album that can go save the world. It's called a um, playlist, baby. <laughs> you have that it's power like, you, know that, you know that you know that tweet where it's like every every two years some tech company invents a bus and thinks it's gonna right. change the world or whatever that's what that is it's like you made you a have playlist an album congratulations and you make it yourself and you can pick whatever songs you want in whatever order that's what we're inventing right now it's like when I'm listening to my Spotify wrapped playlist and I'm like <laughs> I really like all these songs and then it's like yes because yes. you chose them for yourself that's why we're the here <laughs> um but I think probably Folklore has like five or six songs that hit that juicy sweet spot, holy crap place for me. And Evermore probably has like three or four. So I guess mm. it would be Folklore. But like, I, I'm i going to pretend I never said that. Like, please <laughs> cut this part. Good thing there's no record of it. <laughs> I, yeah. uh, I would say Folklore. Is this <laughs> It's hard because we've been listening to Folklore for six months and we've had Evermore for 12 hours. But I I think for me, and this is kind of diff- opposite from what you just said, obviously we have different tastes in music to a certain extent. 
for me, I have listened to folklore start to finish all the way through without skipping anything for the past six months. Not only folklore, but a lot, you know, on my my daily sad walks. And I just don't see myself listening to Evermore without skipping anything. But I do see myself listening to like four or five of the songs on Evermore a lot individually. Like there, I, for some reason, for me, I thought there were more standouts than maybe not as good as like the last great American dynasty or, or invisible string or things like that, that I like really loved on folklore. But there are, I think maybe more standouts on Evermore. And then the ones that I don't like, I dislike more than the ones that I disliked on folklore. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Cause it is more, it's a slightly more experimental yeah. album. Like she's trying some stuff. Mm-hmm. I do think, I don't know. I tr- I try to be an, an honest consumer of, of Taylor, even though I am such a fan and I've, you know, told the truth. I was going through it early in this listening process. I think I have Stockholm syndrome <laughs> because <laughs> once just after like a couple passes through, I was like, oh, so this whole album is, is, is good to very good to great. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not sure that I have I have I'll have skips when I'm listening to like just hear the songs that I think have huge audio payoffs, mm-hmm. but I will be able to listen to this one front to back. I will, I'll get there too. Folklore grew on me so much, even after our first like original raving podcast. Like I like it so much more than I did six months ago. So I'm sure I'll have the same experience with this one. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. I want to wrap up by talking to you about Taylor Swift as quarantine celebrity. So Vulture yesterday published an article about how just like the disintegration of celebrity over the past year and how people are just disillusioned with famous people. They don't want to see their lives. They don't want to hear about them. They found them really hard to take. And the the tweet that accompanied this article was, is there any celebrity you like better now than you liked at the beginning of 2020. And when I was listening to this album and experiencing this release, I was like, Taylor Swift is one of the only ones who has gone through this year, not only with her celebrity intact, but I think with a better, certainly a better public image and a better image in my mind than she did at the beginning of 2020, which I think is a feat that is not to be underplayed. 
Because I think that has been really hard to do this year. Yeah. Well, I think the reason that you and maybe other people feel that way is that one way to look at her and sort of her career arc is that she's brilliant. She's talented. She's incredibly successful. She's also, I at least believe, she seems incredibly smart. She's an incredibly good manager of her own career. But I think part of the arc has to do with what she is placing herself in opposition to. Like, this is still Mm -hmm. that we're talking about the queen of the kiss off track, right? Like, sure. She has adversaries. And that's really interesting. And when she, you know, points her arrow somewhere, she doesn't miss very often. So it matters where she's pointing it. And early Taylor had like nasty Nashville and guys controlling what was on the radio to say, oh, little Missy, you're not going to fit in here. You're not going to cut it. And that was a really, really good foil. But she (laughs) vanquished that pretty quickly. And I think in the years when she was maybe less well-received, um, not by the core fans, obviously, but I'm talking about the peak Kanye years and the snake stuff and all of that. And why isn't she talking about politics? I think what that has to do with is who is she taking aim at? What is she placing herself in opposition to? And is it on par with kind of what her power is? Like one of the things that's interesting here and I think that we talked about when we talked about the Long Pond Studios is that some of these guys that she's working with who are indie artists or or whatever you want to call them, she seems to have this thing about like, oh my gosh, you want to work with me? And it's like, you're Taylor freaking Swift. Like, of course they want to work with you. And usually I think she fares better when she seems to have a clear concept of her power relative to other people around her. And I think she did a good job of that this year. And some of that has to do with her being more vocal politically. I think more of it than that even has to do with her being very public about her pursuit of her early master recordings, because that's the type of thing that, look, we just saw Bob Dylan sell a lot of his back catalog for $300 million. There's music rights being bought up left and right right now. and it's a battleground that has the potential to shift how record labels do their work and a lot of stuff in the music industry. And so what Taylor does, if it sets a precedent there, actually matters for a lot of people. It, it can it can be something that moves the needle. So I think for her, like, I don't know about you, but there's something about reading when she posts something that's like, an open letter or she's like, here's how I feel about the recent sale of my master recordings. And you read it and it's in that same like pithy takedown language that so many of her best songs are are kind of written in. And it's almost equally satisfying. And I think it's compelling because this is a worthy thing for her to be focusing her energy on. And I think 2020 was probably good for her because it seemed like her energy was focused in good places, which was just creating a lot of stuff and fighting the good fight. Yeah, I agree to a certain extent. I think as someone who's not like as hardcore of a fan and whose job it sort of is to just like talk about celebrities, I think in the past I've been annoyed by her you know, I mean, when everyone else was with the snake stuff, but sort of like the pithy language that you talked about, I think sometimes I'm like, okay, like you're Taylor Swift, you're going to be fine. And part of, I think her appeal for me this year is, you know, I think all the celebrities that we didn't like were the ones that were like, oh, my life is really difficult right now. And we were all like, okay, so is everyone's, you know? And I think part of the appeal for me with her specifically this year is that she was like, I don't want you to care about my life at all. Like, I don't want you to think about it. I'm not going to write songs about it. I'm going to write songs about books and movies. I'm going to take myself out of this experience and I'm going to take you out of it also if you want. But also I wrote these songs for me because I wanted to and not for you and not to tell you anything about my life. And I just really appreciate that. Other than I love Joe. Right. Other than which again, like 
she's kind of like, well, this is the guy I've been with for three years. Like, this shouldn't be news, you know? And and part of it to me was like, I just appreciated seeing a celebrity be like, I am not really what you should be talking about right now. And I, I've been doing this and it's been fun. And I've been doing this to take myself out of this crappy world that we're in. And, you know, I mean, she remained involved in all the ways that mattered. Again, being very political, donating money, using her platform for good, which was great. But I think just creating this content that gave people more of an escape that wasn't specifically like, here are the things that I'm mad about these days. And that was a little more escapist. I think that's what really worked for me is her sort of being like, I don't want you to think about my private life, really, other than this master's thing, which again, like I'm I'm sort of writing about in a vague way. I just want you to focus on these other stories of other people that I think have been really cool and interesting. Right. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And even in the moments where she is is mad and that's more folklore than than ever more. That's Mm -hmm. mad woman. That's my tears ricochet. Again, it's not. She's not just sort of taking shots at Katy Perry. Right. You know, it's at least something with a little bit more substance to it. And don't get me wrong. I love celebrity beef just as much as the next. Absolutely. But sometimes in the past, what she's done has come off as punching down. And I don't think that she does it intentionally. I think sometimes she underestimates her own stature. Right. And writing what could at first listen feel like a breakup track, except it's actually about a super, super powerful music industry executive. That's actually very cool to me. Like that's that's what I that's the mode I want her in. I I want more like bad business lady. Right. Yeah. She's like, it's all much more like sort of metaphorical. And she's like, I want to write about these other stories and and how they relate to my life. And it's personal, but it's not personal in a way that seems like really for show, which I think some of her more personal songs in the past have been, you know, I'm going to tell you about this bad relationship that I had and everyone's going to know who it's about and why. And this one is a little more, you can take it on different levels. And I don't know, it just seems like she did it for her. And so many celebrities right now are like trying to figure out how to seem like they're doing things for other people while making it look like they're doing things for other people, you know? And I just, I appreciated like this sort of just doing what she wanted to do and letting us in on it, I think has worked really, really well this year somehow. Taylor wrote us some songs. We wanted to hear some songs. She wrote us some songs. That's what we needed. The rules. Ultimately this year, we just needed a little escape. Um, and she's given us so much more than we expected. Uh, and on that note, honestly, truly so much more. <laughs> yes, this has been a blast. Um, exhausting, but a blast. Uh, thank you for foregoing sleep to talk to me. Thank you, Bobby, our producer, for also foregoing sleep uh, to produce this podcast. Um, and I can't wait until the next time we assemble and, you know, with two hours notice to do this. Could be tomorrow, could be next month. We'll see. No idea. Yeah, I'll see you next week, Kate. It, it won't yeah. be long. You're right. We'll just count it. We'll just make like a standing date to talk about Taylor Swift. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Kate Hallowell for Nora Princiati. This has been another episode of Ringer Dish. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.